Off top, the red, white, and blue in the barber's pole is there because it represents blood, cloth, and the blue in your veins. Because barbers also used to be surgeons at the same time. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, what up? We got the great Marcus Swaggoo Spears in the building. I use that off top in part because I had this revelation at the end of the show. We were taping this after we taped the segment with Jason Goff at the end. And I pointed out something that Charlie was unaware of. So should I have been aware of this? I know. Maybe you should have been aware of it, but I guarantee you Swaggoo knows it. Yeah. Swaggoo. How many cool black people do you know? Black men with no facial hair. Man, um, it's a short list. I was pointing out that Deion Sanders. Zero. De- Seth Prime. <laughs> yeah, that's the point I was making. I was like, he's so damn yeah. cool that he don't got no facial hair. And Charlie was shocked. He didn't realize that that was a thing. That is. Um, you know what, Foxy? I'm so used to it being a requirement for you to be cool. I didn't even realize the world didn't have me. <laughs> that's a, a testament to his cool. This man is so cool Absolutely. that he walk up in there looking like he worked for the government, and we all With like, a yeah. bucket <laughs> nick his face. <laughs> and have a, no razor bumps. He on every nothing. commercial. He is on. <laughs> I gotta get be on and grow grow a beard out, cause yeah, he had a, a gray beard at Jackson State for yeah. a hot second. Because I went and Googled it because I I feel like you can't your whole life. You just can't. My dad was in the military. So when I was growing up, he had to shave it all the time. But eventually Mm -hmm. eventually you can get, I think you can get like a special whatever, like waiver if you tell them that that your razor bumps is too bad. So Yeah, when they cold, when they cold out start taking this up in Boulder, he gonna grow that out back out. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. How you feel they gonna do this weekend? I think it's going to be competitive. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Oregon is a Oregon is a better football team, especially you know me in the in the trenches mm-hmm. for sure, which I think determines a lot of win loss outcome. Um, but if they can turn this into some of a somewhat of a seven on seven game, yeah, they may have a chance with Shadoran those weapons that they have on the outside. Travis Hunter would have been he'd have made a difference majorly. And I'm not just talking about being a good player. I'm talking about him going both ways and being able to impact the game on every play might have made it a little bit more. It's still bananas to me that he was doing that. Cool. Like, he's not doing it anymore, but uh, Bro, going both ways. For... My, my man had 300 plays almost in two games. That is not sustainable. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Not at that level and not if you want to have a career afterwards, but – Whatever, it works for them. All right, well, Charlie, give us some NFL news we can run through quick. Uh, and So, I mean, this was sort of open-ended, but you guys, I think, both have an affinity for the Dallas Cowboys. And so I want to ask both of you, like, what has changed this year, particularly the Cowboys <laughs> offense, that's made them seem more effective? I'll let Marcus go because he taught me something, and, and uh, it made me mad. But anyway, go ahead, Marcus. I know, I know, I know what you're gonna say because I had to admit that I was wrong uh, on get up yeah, earlier yeah. this week with you, and I like learning and whatever, but I, I got caught up. Yeah, I don't, I don't take it lightly that I can get one over on you more <laughs> every once in a while. So that's uh that's that was a break thing. Nah, they, they just more efficient in situations of football from an offensive standpoint. Like they're doing things that make sense based on how the game is going, and I think that's been the strong suit. Mike McCarthy up until this point. Like, you could talk about the opponents and whoever you play, 
you build identity of how you play no matter who you're playing against. And he's done what they needed to do. And, you know, it's been very balanced. It's been opportunistic. If the run game is going, he hadn't got away from it from no for no reason at all. He's allowed not only the run game, but the pass game to affect his next play and setting things up. And that was my biggest gripe with Kellen Moore. Just situational offense is something that I think he still lacks in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike McCarthy seems to be taking this approach like, I'm not going to mess it up based on how this defense is playing. And then when we need to be explosive offensively, whenever that time comes, because it's going to come, mm-hmm. you will have enough reps that being explosive without overexposing yourself. Um, and, and that, at that, for that matter. Yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll really see. Good. We'll definitely see when they get tested. They're playing the Cardinals the weekend. We don't expect that to be a test, but um, the, we, we hope re- not. Yeah, the reason why I was wrong was I I want to have the best offense available, and I think <laughs> I get I think I got caught up in the the analytics also, and like uh, efficiency wise, their offense was incredible. So. It, would it, the analytics do not necessarily account for the psychology of a team. And I think yes. like the play calling impacts that. And also like you can rack up uh, efficiency points and make one bad decision in a certain situation and it won't devastate you. But if you do uh, make a bad decision right there, it won't devastate your efficiency, but it could hurt your team and hurt, hurt your team. team. And that's the thing. And I think that we haven't seen Mike McCarthy's play calling tested in those hot situations just yet, yeah. but they haven't gotten to those situations, yeah. possibly in part because of the decision making. It's so how different would that have looked last week if Sauce hadn't dropped that pick six yeah. to put the Jets up and right. have them play from behind yeah. against that defense? It would have been fascinating. Very true. Absolutely would have been would have been fascinating. I can guarantee you this. Uh, the Jets would have turned it over. Yeah. They'd have gave it back to them. <laughs> um, and, and then here's the thing. Like, the litmus test literally from week one to week two was what Josh Allen did and the Buffalo Bills did. They should have won the game. The Jets should have been – the Jets should be over too. Mm-hmm. But he, they wanted to be – they wanted to have 500 yards passing. And you just didn't need it at that time. So, that's a, and I, I, think, I, think, I think it's going to travel. Yeah. I think the offense that the Cowboys are playing is going to travel and keep them in games instead of getting them out of game. And I think it's it's something that Dak seems comfortable with, which is the most important. And this is the point that I was making yeah. before. Every now and then, I think most things about foot well, maybe not most things, but a lot of things about football, I feel like I have a good grasp on it. And like mixing my playing experience with the analytics, like I have a good grasp on it. There's a couple of things that come out where I know I was wrong. I got high on Patrick Mahomes when he ain't have an offensive line against the Bucks, <laughs> and for whatever reason, I did too. Yeah, I, and I as soon as the game started, I was like, "What are you doing?" Because I remember picking the Eagles <laughs> to beat the um, picking the Eagles to beat the Patriots in that Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback, and my justification was like, "Nah, them trenches, them trenches are gonna be a problem on both sides," and it was right. And Patrick Mahomes made me forget it. So that's one example. And the other example is sometimes I get far enough away. That that Marcus, you don't, I get far enough away that I forget the impact that these decisions have on the psychology of a team. And talking about the Jets and the Cowboys, it's these two teams are 
perfect examples mm -hmm. of understanding that that Jets defense ain't going to be able to do it again this year. The psychology of that, we can't do it with Josh one more year. The talent going to be there. <laughs> everything going to be there. Zach. I called him Josh. Josh again. Wilson again. Damn, I called yeah. him Josh. Zach Wilson again. Right. But the psychology of it is going to impact them in the same thing for the other way for uh, the Cowboys, watching the psychology impact their team yeah. because their defense is good and because their, their quarterback is being put in advantageous positions. You know what bothers me sometimes, man? And you and me have brought me so much further along in analytics and helping me understand it, but also how they apply. I just think sometimes the human element is taken away from mm -hmm. it. And I think that's what you describe it. Like, I'm not going to... Um, the example is, you know, take Golden State, right? You they you shoot threes, you, you make them, you win games. But if you miss the first 30... You probably should try to get some mid-range shots in there <laughs> right. just to get going. You know what I'm saying? Don't just keep shooting threes. Um, I, I think a lot of times, too, like football is you always trying to find an angle. You're always trying to find an advantage. Bill Belichick found that advantage um, years ago defensively where he could mix and match personnel with whatever you were in. But the game changed. And then people started getting super fast and quarterbacks started getting super athletic and dual-threaded. And then he had to figure out, like, oh, I got to I gotta get a different type of linebacker. The hell with the analytics. I got to get dudes that's fast and physical, and I got to get dudes that can run on the second level. Um, so I think I just think some kind of the human element yeah. gets lost. And, I think that, I mean, you know, because the, be the analytics, uh, essentially, and calling the analytics feels kind of lazy, but the point, stats in but, general, is about a large sample size. So, like, yes, yes if you are making... 5,000 decisions, this will give you the best chance if you make 5,000 decisions. The problem when you're doing that, particularly in football when it's the playoffs and a single elimination, is the sample size is out the window. So it's, at, at, it's, it's a gone. small sample size right now. So no. while you can uh, mathematically prove that the most efficient decision is to do this, because if you do this 100 times, 60 times you're going to be right. But right now is what you need. And no. it may not necessarily be the right decision. And then on top of that, it's understanding. And this is, I saw it happen this weekend when I'm coaching my little flag football team. So I handle the defense. The offensive coordinator handles the offense. And um, he mentioned to me, so their first drive, they're catching passes. The team we're going against is catching passes on us. And I'm playing a soft coverage. And he was like, why, why don't we challenge him? And I was like, don't worry about it. We're playing against a 10-year-old quarterback. <laughs> You know why we're not going to challenge him? Because a 10-year-old quarterback is going to throw the ball up eventually. Yep. Let him keep throwing, and he's going to throw the ball up. But his point, and he didn't say it this way, but I understand it was like the psychology of it on our defense is, and I'm thinking the psychology of a 10-year-old quarterback is he's going to get tired of throwing these short passes. Eventually, he's going to throw it up. And the same thing on the other way where it's like, all right, we're trying to score. We're trying to move the ball. We're throwing deep passes, and we had a play that was open all the time. The quarterback missed it once, ran it again. He missed it again. And the analytical decision is like, it's working. Do it's it working, again. Yeah. But you know what? You do it one more time, the players, the parents, the coaches, they're going to be looking at you like, that ain't worked three times in a row. And yeah, so you, you, can't, yeah. you can't factor yeah. the psychology in to, uh, into the analytic decisions. But anyway, I got off on a tangent. Yeah. Somehow we got on my – no, I agree, Foxy. But Brandon Staley is literally the, yes. the the poster child, right? Like he the poster child. 
right? And we had the conversations a bunch of times about how he goes for fourth downs and all of that. And it's it, it's age old. If you get the fourth down, nobody cares. It's like greatest play call ever. If you don't over and over again, then it becomes a situation where you like, um, this coach stupid as hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and it has literally this this has been my thing with Brandon Staley. Bro, this has literally cost you games. Hey, the hell with the numbers. What does your gut tell you to do right now? Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Well, that's actually, that's the perfect segue because I wanted to ask about Brandon Staley because for the last three years, we've heard that Justin Herbert is like, the heir to the next great quarterback and he's the analytics darling. But if the chargers lose to the Vikings and they go and three is Brandon Staley going to be the first coach fired in the NFL. And should he be like, honestly? Yeah. Yep. See, it's hot as grease pop. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't know how do you justify the other thing. I, me and Foxy talked about this this week. The other thing is you brought a young offensive coordinator here yep. as well. Don't think for a second that that ownership and that group don't think like, well, maybe we should turn this over to Kellen Moore, which I'm not like super opposed to, but I'm not rooting for it either. But it's somebody now in the building that you could be like, you know what, let's see what this will look like with Kellen Moore. The funny thing is what we're criticizing Staley for is the same thing that you were criticizing Kellen Moore for last year. And you could continue to criticize Kellen Moore for in this season where he's making decisions at in situations at the end of the game that maybe makes sense in his mind or are maybe plays that should work, but haven't been working when they need him to. So I don't know that Kellen Moore is the answer. If that's the problem, they need to get an old school football. No, my thing with Kellen Moore though, is like, the one thing we know is he wants to throw the ball deep. Right. Like, that's at least his goal. And, like, what is the point of having Justin Herbert if you don't let him throw the ball deep? Like, that is, like... And yeah, I mean... The point of... Yeah, go ahead. I, I get it. I get it. And this was... This this is, like, the beautiful question that people ask all the time. Yes, he has a cannon, and he is a phenomenal thrower on the football. Andy Reid has the best quarterback we've seen in this generation. All right? Pat Mahomes is, what, seven years in? He's already great. He's already amongst the greatest to mm-hmm. ever play. Already. If he stopped today, he'd go on again, and it's done, right? And I was having this battle on Twitter yesterday about, like, me and Dan Orlowski on NFL Live. He was like, Josh is a great quarterback. No, he's not. Unless our definition of great has changed, he's not. He's really good. He's, he has elite talent and skill set. Justin Herbert the same way, okay? 
Andy Reid will hand the football off. So what makes you think you don't need? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he literally is the greatest quarterback of this generation. When Tom Brady left, Patrick Mahomes became the mantle bearer for greatest quarterback in the NFL. Andrew Pacheco had 98 yards rushing in the Super Bowl. You can make an argument that when they won their first one against San Francisco, Williams should have been the MVP of the game. Yep. And I don't, I don't know how people don't like this. This is the thing that throws me for a loop. It's not about not accentuating those guys or putting them in a position to show what their what what their elite ability is. But you know what? Sometimes, man, defenses are like we only gonna put six people in the box because we know you are gonna be great. Well, that's the time to hand the football. <laughs> and that's Kellen Moore's biggest problem. And even when people are open, like the 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 completing a deep pass, and I, I think this is to my point about analytics, and I understand that efficiency numbers, EPA, like takes situation and opponent into account. However, you're right. There are plays that are more efficient than other plays. But if you get the result that you want at the wrong time, then it doesn't matter. And like the, the the band of success for a, a deep pass is, you know what? We could get a 60-yard touchdown. We could also get a 10-yard sack. And the difference for like the, the band for a running play is we could get an eight-yard run. We might even get a 30-yard run, maybe slim chance. We could also get one yard. We might get a yeah. fumble, but it's unlikely. But worst case scenario, we get one yard. And not only does that not kill us, that goes back to the psychology of the team and analytics EPA cannot assess that. So when you are looking, yeah. when you're a defense and you're on the sideline and you see the ball go deep and then you hear the fans go, oh, then the next play you do it again, yes. you hear the fans go, oh, and then your, uh, your defensive coordinator comes over. All right, punt team, get ready. Punt team, get ready. That does something to the psychology of a team where I would yes. just give me a first down, please. <laughs> just to do something first different. Of all, Take the take the example. I go back to the example of Tennessee and, and, and the Chargers. If you like people, we we can kill the Chargers defense and right from itself. Mm. But how do you feel when you get in the overtime and three plays is a deep shot that's in in the double coverage and it's broken up, and then the next two passes are deep and they go out of bounds. <laughs> and now we got to come out here and play defense. And stop this team with Derrick Henry in the backfield <laughs> and Spears in the backfield and a coach that is going to because Mike Grable, who I'm sure has some analytics people in there, he's also one of the coaches that's built from the old school and said, you know what, we're gonna run this damn thing down they throw, and if we get in field goal range, we're gonna kick a field goal. I don't care that we hit two deep shots on them earlier in the game because yep. they did too. Yep. Didn't it feel like when you were watching that game when the Chargers got the ball back with like a minute before he left, you knew that the Titans were going to win that game? Yeah, of course, because it's 100%. Are, yeah. always, I mean, yeah, the, the, that, that point is, and it, it permeates your team. And it, no matter whether you can, and it's different be, between understanding the value of analytics and also understanding that you're working with people. And people are yes. not robots. So while you can go and sit down at the press conference and justify your decisions based on analytics, you know what? It doesn't matter when I'm out there on the field and I look at my safety and we about to go back out there and I look at him and we both thinking, here this go again with Ooh. this. Here we go. Here we go again. And then, we again, and, then and then the next week in practice, the, the film study a little lighter because you know what? This do this 
Again this week, it's it's really hard to overcome that. But isn't that like sort of why analytics and football are different than other sports? Because like yeah. you look at baseball or basketball, and it's sort of a you look at it in reverse, right. and it tells you how effective a certain player was. But it's decisions that yeah. the players are making. These analytics seem to be more representative of coaches than the players. The situations that are created yeah. by coaches. And you're absolutely right. But 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 the thing is, and this is why our game, this is why the code to our game can never be broken. It's because it's 11 individuals mm -hmm. at a time. It's not only that. Like, it's not only that. I think that it's 11 individuals at a time, but you played pro football and I played pro football. We are playing entire. There are, are 11 <laughs> different games happening at yes. the same time. So yes. Magic Johnson can play center in the finals because yeah. fundamentally everybody on the court is the same dude. Everybody rebounds, right. pass, and dribble. But in football, it's like it does not work that game. The game is so complex that there is not yep. a formula to solve it. And then you throw people's feelings into it. It gets really tough. And then you make it so it's only 17 games, whereas we're yep. talking large sample size. <laughs> not 82? Yeah, it's not 82 games. It's not 100-plus games. not a seven-game series. Foxy, to your point, that is why, still to this day, I don't care what nobody says. And I saw Richard Sherman interview Pete Carroll. Give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, bro. Because you know what happens <laughs> if he gets stopped? Yep. You say, they went down doing the best thing. Yep. Like, that's why people can't live with it. Like, you can have all of the planning and this play worked in practice and we saw that it was going to be... Oh, Man, hand the ball to but, the dude. You, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, yeah. you're, you're exactly right, and I get it. The analytics decision suggested it was the right decision. But what happens if it goes wrong is running the ball, you probably lose the game. That's fine. You move on. What happened yes. was they threw an interception, and that destroyed the whole damn team. That's all <laughs> fell apart and i'm not saying that, i'm not saying it makes sense i'm not saying they right but i'm saying that's a possibility where you start doing certain things so i i, I don't want to swing too yeah. far away i appreciate analytics i like them i use them but there's sometimes when you just got to be a dumb football player and bang into the yeah. line you just got to bang it's into almost the line. it's almost it's almost like book smarts and street smarts mm-hmm the probability of me getting hit in the drive by is very low. I'm gonna still run. <laughs> I'm gonna still get the hell out of it. Exactly. Okay. Right. Like, yeah, uh, just what it is. Uh, I don't think we can do any better than that. Oh my god! I uh, mean, that's, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. We had more stuff to talk about, but we don't need to because this was outside. <laughs> well, well, my my next question was going to be about Russell Wilson anyway, but we just sort of answered it. His career got ruined on that play, so <laughs> nothing else, nothing else to go on. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Marcus. I hope we can do this again, my brother. Thanks we for making will. time for me. All right, we will, man. You know they number low, bro. For sure. All right. All right, appreciate you, Marcus Spears. Now we're going to go to my man in Chicago, Jason Goff. All right, I'm so excited to welcome in host of Full Go Podcast, Jason Goff. I love your podcast. I don't know if you know this guy sitting across from me. His name, he goes by many names. Some people call him Charlie. Some people call him Snack Prescott, Snacky Joiner Kersey, Snakeem Olajuwon. Uh -huh. Snakeel uh, O'Neal. It's a lot of snack. Nick, yeah, go ahead. Nick Snack Axel. Maybe. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You know I mean, the ladies love him, but he's been overshadowing us. It's mainly because he's new. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually think he's more attractive to me, but I mean, the the, inter the internet seems to think he's a little bit cute. 
He's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. He's doing exactly what he needs to do with the facial hair and, oh, the, and yeah. the haircut. Yeah, nice you feel curls. Me? Yeah. The teeth are where they need to be. Oh, nice. the, you got great gums. Yeah. This is nah, man. You thought we was going to talk be about able, We should be able to tell each yeah, other yeah. That, that, that we are attractive. You thought, attractive you thought we was going to have you on here to talk about the fire that is taking place in Chicago <laughs> right now, <laughs> which I guess we'll get to oh, at some Lord. point. I also want to touch on the Deion Sanders topic with you because I think of all the people who have been talking about Deion, you on your podcast, which people should check out, did the very best job. But before we get to Deion Sanders, mm -hmm. we got to talk about Chicago, the Bears, and I don't even know where to start. Do we want to start about start talking with the alleged FBI raid that was or wasn't? We want to talk Man. about the quarterback throwing the coach under the bus or just the general quarterback's mistakes, how they don't have a, a – or they do have a first-round pick, and they might be looking at Caleb the way things are looking right now. So you are a host, so you don't need me to tee you up. Just say, <laughs> say what you're going to say. So where you want to start? Um, I, I've been around this and doing this for 21 years now, 21, 22 years. I've seen some very weird days and been around some very weird days at Hallis Hall. Heck, I was around when they uh, hired Dave McGinnis and then quickly realized that they didn't hire Dave McGinnis and had to trot out a press conference saying that, hey, y'all, we don't have a new head coach yet. Oh, you know, man. I've seen... I've seen some things, man. You know, it was here for the Brandon Marshall presser when Brandon Marshall handed out the packets after a practice. It was like, I am holding a personal press conference and y'all need to come to it. Uh, I've seen all the things. I've seen a lot of things besides winning as a Bears fan. So yesterday was one of the strangest days that I could remember in a very, very long time. You had the quarterback give two press conferences. Uh, you had the defensive coordinator resign. You had the left tackle, who uh, Ryan Poles really was enthused about, Southern Utah's finest Braxton Jones, go on the IR in the middle of all of this. Uh, you had Matt Eberflus answering questions that he had been trying to not answer for the previous two or three days about, hey, where's your defensive coordinator? And all the while, um, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs wait as a 13-point favorite at Arrowhead for you so that you don't go on three in this season is a complete waste. You, so yesterday was wild. You talking about all the like embarrassing things that you witnessed in Bears history, and I'm not a Bears fan, so I don't follow it. I don't live in Chicago. I don't follow as close as you. But mm -hmm. it just kind of brings to my attention that they might be like the the organization that is – most revered with limited success, like they had the that, new commanders. Yeah, the new they, commanders. They, <laughs> they had that one stretch where their defense was really good and their quarterback was weird. They did the Super Bowl shuffle, and I guess just because they're a, a storied franchise, been around for a long time. Yeah, and I guess they had good runs pre-merger and all that stuff, but uh, they kind of charter franchise, bro. They've been kind of embarrassing since then. Charter franchise, right? Like, we talk about Gale Sayers and Dick Buckus in those years. You know, neither one of those players ever played in the playoff game. You know, oh. and and I've, I've worked with um, guys who have been Bears and bleed orange and blue to their very dying day who never understood or could never quite locate the reasons why this team has struggled the way it has. God rest Doug Buffon, one of my best friends in this business, all-time Bears linebacker. And one of his last rants was that this will never get right. So we fast forward now to 2023. You know, the Justin Fields part to me is just moving around furniture at this point. 
You know, I mean, we could have said this about Mitch Trubisky. You know how many quarterbacks I have had to root for as a Bears fan? Like, my son is six years old, and I was really looking forward to this being the the thing. Like, he was going to get a chance. As a kid, I used to remember telling myself, all right, at noon, I'm going to watch the Bears game. And then at 3.15, I'm going to watch NFL football. I'm going to watch what the rest of the league is doing out here. And offensively, let's be real about it. You know, if if your greatest players are running backs and linebackers and then you look right to the north in your very own division and for the last 32 years, they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love who's got six touchdowns in his first two weeks playing as a starter. Um, yeah, all you have. Yeah. Like, even with you, all you, if you look at it, like the comedic stuff too, right? The, you know, the, the Saturday Night Live bit with the Bears, we never took that as respect. Uh-huh. That was always somebody making fun of us and <laughs> our diets and how we talked and what we truly rooted for. But, um, you know, the Bears, for whatever reason, haven't caught up to the modern times when it comes to offensive football, when it comes to winning football. And this just seems like another iteration of that. You gave us a lot right there, but I got to be honest. I don't know if I could get past Gale Sayers and Dick Buck. Dick Buck has never, never played. played in a play. Okay, we might have to edit that out so I could use it for an off top later <laughs> because that is mind-blowing to me. Like, I consider yeah. myself someone who knows a good amount about football and football history. Stunning. Yeah, yeah. and I assume that those guys they ain't win a Super Bowl, but they had some good runs every right. now and then, but they never played. This is – Feeling very Lionsy, like you guys are the Lions without with with one Super Bowl win. Hey, eighty five. I, I talk about it a lot in the city. How like for a different generation, ninety eight Bulls mm-hmm. uh, have replaced the eighty five Bears. In that, hey, it's been long enough. You know, this is the third market in the country. All right, shout out to Houston, which is gaining on our tails, but you know they got they got a lot more land than us, right? So it's like it's the third market in the country right here, and we're sitting back with substandard products to root for as fans, and everybody likes to cloak themselves in the tough identity of this city. Meanwhile, fans are just sitting around waiting for that toughness to be paid off. Like you know, I, I don't believe character is built by your environments and all those other things. You know, your character is built by your experiences, but as a fan, why do you have to keep experiencing this and then try to? question why it's happening like if the if the players all suck then maybe the player pickers are the other issue if the player pickers aren't getting it right then maybe ownership is the issue yeah. but in the end we just keep having eight and eight seven and nine seasons now it's going to be somewhere around what five and like for instance there's 12 straight losses going into last week 12 like we're talking about this thing like they didn't have the number one pick it was supposed yeah. to feel a lot different and two weeks into it it doesn't What's the what's the reason for optimism for Chicago sports fans? What is give it to me? Mm. What do you guys talk about when uh, you get on uh, on your podcast before you start with your producers and you're like, well, at least we got. Don't worry about because this is coming. What is it? And I I expanded to all of Chicago sports because saying just the Bears <laughs> is hard. And right, I mean the you guys had the whole situation till Lonzo. Like you guys had something cooking. Mm-hmm. Then Lonzo. I got to be honest, I don't know much about what's happening with the Blackhawks. Uh, they got the number one pick, Connor Bedard. There you we know, go. Oh, yeah. He's like you the can, next yeah. Gretzky. Yeah. There you go. Wipe yeah. that thing yeah. for me, Charlie. I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, I heard about it like two weeks ago on, on the draft day. <laughs> okay, cool, hey, cool. So, yeah, we got we got a lot to look forward to. Uh, it's just the city is going to have to provide it because the sports teams are uh, falling by the wayside, unfortunately. On fields, is this yeah. the beginning of the end? Not to go sports talk radio. Is this like sort of – the beginning of the end of the Fields era? Because it feels like we're careening in that direction. Um, 
Coming out of training camp, I did not see the things that I was hoping to see. Mm-hmm. And the preseason didn't give me that either. And they didn't have to play much in the preseason. So you did, you know, the first game was really going to tell you a lot. And he looked like a rookie in the first and second games of the season. And that can't happen. You're three years into this thing now. And whether you want to put all the blame on Justin or all the blame on Luke Getze or all the blame on hiring a defensive coordinator as your head coach. So when the play calling goes wrong on the offensive side, who's going to take over, right? Like these are the situations that that Bears fans find themselves in. But more importantly, I thought what you saw from Justin Fields yesterday um, was two totally different human beings. One told the truth about his situation and forgot the rules of quarterbacking and football, as Dominique yeah. could probably explain to you, right? When when we, when we win, yeah, when we <laughs> when we win, it's it's we, yeah. and when we lose, it's me. But guess what? And I said it on my pod. After a while, if your name is on that marquee and you know that there's money to be made after this place. Please let somebody know. I, like, I was talking about, you know, I hope he was being vulnerable with somebody in the building. And he did it, it, it to the press. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that just shows you as well. Like, who does he really have to talk to that he's saying to himself that, man, I'm uh, just used to playing a certain way. And as I'm not getting these results, I'm being overcoached. And I go out here and look like that. Like, I've asked Dominique about it on my pod. Like, do quarterbacks get ruined or develop more in the NFL? And at, at after a while... You know, it can't just be the raw materials. It's got to be the person putting it together. So is this the end of the Justin Fields era? Um, I wouldn't bet against it. If if, if if there were odds put on this thing, I wouldn't. They got two first-round picks, and Ryan Poles has no um, attachment yeah. to Justin Fields. And last year showed you that with yeah. what he didn't put around him. You no, know, so. it really showed you that. Ryan Poles is one of few black uh, GMs in um, football, and he didn't follow the rule that even white GMs know to follow when you have a black quarterback. Them backups put better him. be black. If the backups well, are black. <laughs> he tried. PJ Walker came in there and looked like an XFL player instead of the PJ Walker that we saw last year. If you don't know, um, Bomani and I talk about this a bunch. Is like, yeah, the the local fan base they get enamored with the backup quarterback when he's white, no matter how good he is. We point to Cam Newton as an as the like most glaring example of that. But now they got a rookie in Tyson. Bad Bajent. Bajent. They, yeah. they did try mm-hmm. to put Peterman behind him. Yeah. Perfect. That was yeah. that's a great attempt at security. That's fair. Hey, hey, seriously though, if you really want to look at the football part of this too, we're talking about helping out a young quarterback. Which veteran can he turn to now in that quarterback room and say, man, have you seen this before? Because the way the coach is uh, telling me to do it is really not is the, the message is not being conveyed. You want to go hang out, and have some dinner, even with Nathan, right. Pe- even with the Peter man struggles uh-huh. in his life and, and sport, <laughs> he can still say, hey, this is where I messed up yeah. this. Him and Tyson Bajan now just rolling around, you know, looking for Chick-fil-A and, and watching film together. Like, like what are we doing out here? Peterman even that some dark days, Peterman's only dark days. You know, you know what it is. You go to the bar and you hang out with your old friend who's single. You're like, man, he could tell me all the reasons why he doesn't have anybody. (laughs) You you go in there with your homeboys who you you single with. Y'all both going to make the Uh, same mistakes. Literally the NFL's version of Scared Straight with Nathan Peterman. (laughs) (laughs) Hold my pocket. Oh, gosh. All right. Um, We got carried away in this stuff. I I don't know that I left very much time, but I do... One of my favorite episodes that you've done on your show, and again, full go, people should listen to it whether you're in Chicago or not, um, was when you talked about Dion. So what you got yeah. on Dion right now? 
I'm I'm all about it because I love watching it and I love the uh, the intrigue of it. But let's face it, man, like Dion is doing the Dion thing that he's done for the last three decades of his life. And for people who are just jumping onto it, like, oh, I'm all in. Like, cool, that's fine. But you're gonna have to be all in somewhere else soon, right? right? Like, like he's he's he is. He's done a great job at being one of the greatest to ever do it at his sport and also making it look glamorous. Like when I was coming up before and after Dion, like the cornerback position was the dudes who, you know, talked a little smack or whatever, but the quiet ones were still dope. Daryl Green and Neus Williams, all these cats that you saw play. Dion made the cornerback position a glamour position. So now what do you expect them to do? Go go to Colorado and not make it look dope and not bring all the players? I mean, yeah. the whole thing about waiting for the media to, you know, wanting the media to believe, that's not their job. And Dion has been in the media. He should probably understand that. But that's also the allure. He knows yeah. what y'all gonna eat on. I he think knows he does understand food. it. And yeah. he knows that he just creating clips and being right. cool and passing around. The the thing that I find really interesting about this is um everyone who's all in on it, what are you really really all in on? Because <laughs> I understand being all in on what he represents. But I would not say that I'm all in on Dion specifically, but I'm all in on him, like, essentially peeling the mask off of college mm-hmm. sports and being like, this is what it is. This is what we are doing. We are running a business where if all the employees last year failed, we're firing them. We got to get them out of there. And you know what? You know what sells in this industry is cool and fun and attention. Like, I'm fine with all that and all the other coaches pretending like it's something different. No. He's playing the game the way that you guys have played it just better. I'm in on that. What I'm not in on, and I think just partially because I'm older now, I get less of the, like, hero complex that I think comes with when you see something cool where it's like, oh, yeah, he's dope, but he's flawed. And it's like, uh, I remember having this conversation around Kaepernick, which I know is a weird analogy, but I remember when people were like, but he wore them pig socks and a Fidel Castro shirt. And I'm like, Kaepernick's not my Jesus. He said something that made sense. Let's talk about that. Whatever he Mm -hmm. does going forward doesn't make the thing thing that he said make less sense. And I feel the same thing, same way about Dion is right now. He's doing something that makes sense and is fun and clear to all of us, but I guard against falling in love with him to the point that I find myself defending stuff that is indefensible. So right. that's all, Charlie. No, I was just saying, like, yeah. I, I, that's like thinking deeply about it. When I think about Dion, like, it's just fun that we have stars in college football again. And that's like, that's mm. something that's been totally lost by the portal era and like the way that college football has become so like semi pro football. It's just fun to like talk about fun, fun people in football. I just it just hit me. You want evidence of of how Deion Sanders is the coolest person around? This man manages to be cool as hell while being a black man with no facial hair. Name another cool black man with no facial hair. He don't got it's a him mustache. And Barack. That's it. That's it. Him and Barack. That's and, it. And Barack's, it. Barack's coolness is a little, uh, is a little right. It's, yeah, right. It's on it's, a curve. It's, it's, he's it's cool scripted. for he's cool for yeah. a president. <laughs> 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 but now you know what you know you know what's so amazing. I got about Charlie, Charlie feverishly googling right now. Feverishly <laughs> googling. Cool black guys, <laughs> black guys, right. no facial hair. I was thinking about it, man. This <laughs> is these are moments it's when go, I learn things. The Rock. It's gonna be it's gonna be LL Barack. Yeah, who else? The Rock. Who else? I mean, do we? I mean, The Rock feels the, like the Rock yeah, slides under yeah, the yeah. He, he slides in there when yeah. you look at him, yeah. uh, which is right. Really he's an honorable to, mention. When, when we yeah. look at him, we're like, oh, 
He's black. When yeah. other people lay at him, they're like, oh. You, just you know, you know what Scotty Pippen's ever been cool? Scotty Pippen? Ooh. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have Hold on. Do you look at Scotty Pippen and think he's cool? No, I said, did you explain to me why he's not cool? Oh. Just now. Oh, no. Well, well Scotty Pippen was my favorite bull. So you ain't going to ever tell me he wasn't cool. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, what, I, what I like the most about it is, you know, you also get to break free of the coaching black monolith of like, Everybody's got to be serious. So it's mm-hmm. like Herm Edwards was the one that kind of broke the mold, and you saw they they did not give Herm a, a, another chance after that. That was it the the Chiefs thing or the Jets thing, the Jets right? Thing. So yeah, after the Jets the thing, <laughs> right, right. Like Art Shell and these dudes that we grew up with, like them dudes was always stoic. Lovey Smith, you know, even to a sense like Mike Tomlin get yeah. upset at you, but like you know, I'm glad that I, brothers are allowed to show a little personality out here too. I'm not see, mad at. Did you it. see Mike Tomlin's uh, clip this week? Uh, I'm sure you no. saw it. He always has great clips. Mm-hmm. Like that man dominates a press conference. This man mm-hmm. was talking about Matt Canada and they asked him about Matt Canada. Rather than give Matt Canada any like vote of confidence, he was like, we are in the sports entertainment industry. Our job <laughs> is to entertain the fans, give them what they want. It's a winning product. We want our fans to be fat and sassy. <laughs> Fat and sassy. I was like, Mike Tomlin, you are the man. Fat yeah, now nah, he is. Fat and sassy is, is uh, hilarious. And to me, that is making it quite clear. I'm not giving Matt Canada no cover. Any credit. We yeah. won this game, but our fans are not fat or sassy right now. <laughs> we ain't giving them nothing to be fat and sassy about. So get back on it, Matt, and score some points. Hey, you gotta you gotta explain that to the other eighty three percent of the audience who don't know the uh, the genesis of fat and sassy. By the way, you got you, you know you gotta, what we don't do here is explain. Is explain? Things. Yeah, you either you on the inside or you better start feverishly googling That's what I'm doing right like now. <laughs> like my man Charlie Kravitz. Get on there, fat and sassy. <laughs> so uh, Charlie's Charlie's Google search has got to be wild uh, as hell working with you these days. Just, just, you know I mean? Cool black brothers with no facial hair, <laughs> fat and sassy. Like we're gonna get him in some wild algorithms real That's quick right. here. It's <laughs> gonna be all thick traps in, in, in his um uh Instagram pretty much Instagram. Yeah, yeah, pretty much Instagram. Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that, Charlie, you're welcome. And uh oh. <laughs> oh. uh Jason, I appreciate you, brother. I'll be I got so many more questions. Oh, but well, I'll do it. I'll do it on the return visit. I got so many more questions. I, I'm so tempted to just more. keep asking. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. text you some okay. of these like questions. This. Recurring guests now. Yeah, I love it's it. Official. Yeah. It's official. Yeah, no, I just booked myself. Word. <laughs> yeah. After after y'all done made me wipe my face down, <laughs> buy a new computer, I had to uh, install a new microphone. You feel me? Yeah. I'm sending y'all an invoice. Yeah, Rob don't play, man. <laughs> Rob don't play. He be directing the out of this show it stresses shout me out, out to but, rob but i appreciate it all right thanks jason again full go podcast y'all go listen to it i appreciate you brother appreciate y'all man. Thank, you. thank you this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, my favorite person, your favorite segment, Roses and Thorns, with my wife, Ashley Foxworth. What's up? Hi, honey. Hey, still cool. Say Foxworth. Somebody called you Ashley Foxworth yesterday, and you're like, that's me. You know, it still is strange. Like, yeah. And I think women should do whatever they want to do as far as if they want to keep their maiden name for me. I wanted to have the same last name as my children, and I didn't feel like giving them like a hyphenated name. Um, but... Sometimes, and it's like strange in both ways. Sometimes I'm like, well, that's not my name. I'm a manning. And then other times I'm like, that's my name. I took his name. I love that man. So um, progressive in your um, <laughs> It goes both. It goes back and forth. Anyway, yes, Ashley Foxworth. That's anyway, um, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. It's kind of weird sometimes, too, because you're from D.C., so you know people from D.C., so sometimes people are like, hey, Ashley Manning. And I'm like, no, it's not Ashley Manning. But yeah. then they're like, hey, Ashley Foxworth. And I'm like, oh, actually, it's not, but whatever. Anyway, yeah. I don't know how we got there, but we're going to. And my family's been in D.C. for, like, generations, so, like, and there are a lot of us. So it's like, yeah, no, I'm still a Manning, I promise. Serafina, our wonderful producer, what are we talking about today? Hey, guys. Hello. So first question, or first topic. Deion Sanders unabashedly said that Shiloh had moved up the Sanders family power rankings after the Colorado <laughs> State game and defy reporters to say they didn't play favorites with their own kids. So do you all have favorites? And we're going to open this up to other family members as well. Is there anything that Dion could say? Well, I'm sure there's something he could say to lose you, but you are a big Colorado Dion Sanders fan. Like, on the bandwagon. Like, did not give a crap about... I actually, I do love Boulder. You have, Like, so when he used to live in Denver, we went to Boulder and near Boulder a couple times for stuff, like, and actually in Boulder. And I remember thinking, like, this place is magical. I love it here. One thing I do remember was feeling that it was super white. So now yeah. looking at it as this black place is kind of hilarious. So, yes, there's nothing that Deion Sanders can do that can make me not like him, including admitting, not ranking his children, but including admitting that he ranks his children. He does also rank them. He, I like, know, and he admitted that he ranks them. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, but the thing is, I think a lot of people, we don't necessarily use the word rank, but at a given time, we might have a preference on yeah, a child, like things. who we feel like being with more at the moment or who is – or fun the to best. do an activity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like these are honest things. Like right now, I can tell you, my youngest is so whiny. It grates at me. Um, she's, I mean, she's wonderful, but she upset me this weekend too because I'm not big on you have to be good at sports, but like try. He was so mad. Try. And he was mad at me because I was like laughing at it. And try. my dad was like carrying no, her, I was baby a, and her. No, yeah, that was, that was the annoying part. It's like 
She's she's doing something. She scraped her knee on the way into flag football, which she insisted on playing. No yeah. one made her but play she's, flag football. But she's she's out there. Okay, and got her friends to play with her, so she wasn't. And the only she's girl refusing on the to go on the field and well, refusing to play. Coach walks her and on, so and coach walks her off. The, <laughs> she won't move. The annoying part from you and your father is you were laughing at it. It it's was like, so funny though. But it's not, and it's like know, encouraging it's her not. that like this is cute. No, it's not cute. To, I found myself to, in the car yeah. the other day. And I then like your dad like carrying around. She is not. She said she couldn't walk because she had a scrape on her knee. It's not funny. It's annoying. It's soft and it's like uh, unacceptable when you have people who are on your team. But and she's I'll seven. Admit, like, She'll grow out of it. And the other two kids, I was very happy when I saw them because both of them are fighters. They, they fight are. when they plan. They fight as hard as they like, can. They could Avery have a got knocked down bone. a bunch of times and she keeps fighting. You're high on my family member rankings. However, you're taking yourself Ooh. down a notch by, by having candy in your mouth while we're recording this and assuming that nobody's going to notice. I'm sorry, it's there's not candy. There's a camera right on your face and there's a microphone right in front of your mouth. You're like, hey, whatever. Honestly, Do when it. I bought them, I said, ooh, these are like candy to me. But it's not candy. It's Ricola sugar-free lemon mint drops because I have bad allergies right now and they make me feel happy. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I eat them like candy, but it's not. Te- you're right. It's, it's medicine. Can we call it medicine? Oh, um, you want. I do. I'm sorry. But yes, I actually, two days ago, I remember thinking like, and I'm not, sometimes I'll see like, I also follow Good Morning America along with my other new sites I mentioned. And I'll see they post like these moms who have these viral, like transparent moments where they're like, my kids are getting on my last nerves. And it becomes like a, oh, we all identify. I felt that way. I was like, I don't need to tell nobody about it. But like, I felt so bad. The end of you were away. It was, I guess, Tuesday evening. Mm -hmm. I was like, all of these little monsters are annoying so that day guess what i had no in my immediate household i had no body in my power rankings like everyone was out of them like he was away so i didn't even like him that much because he's like i always i'm like really a little bit unhealthily obsessed with him um yes i am um he's shaking his head no but i am like i just think he's so great he's the best husband and father um but he was away and my kids were annoying me we must got a big renovation bill coming today or something one that's so bad that even i said no to it already Um, that's that's why i'm getting butted up no that's not true you know that like i always into you and tell you how great you are i stared you lovingly for no good reason other than it seems creepy to you but like i really am just like oh my god i love you so much don't act like that's not true. I know. I know it's true. It's just awkward. So I was being so funny, funny, but it's true. It's weird. I think the way that I would think about the power rankings is the fact that that they all like Declan can swing the furthest. Like he could get me as angry as anyone, but he can also do something that is like so amazing. And then like Emmy is uh, a little bit lower than Declan, where her swings are bigger. Avery is like the expectations are so so normal. Like when she starts to do something, it's like this is annoying. And but when she does something great, it's like it always stays in the same thing. Yeah. I, I just think that they're I joke like equal and opposite. I guess people um will like a lot of times tell us like oh our oldest like give her compliments, and I honestly think they're true. Like lately, multiple people have told me like oh my god, my kid said no one hates Avery. Or like in the middle school, she's she has kind. a grade that she's so kind. Um, or like the sweetest compliment about Avery that my son told me that everyone likes her. Like, which I think goes both ways. Like sometimes I feel like for her, it means she doesn't have like the tightest circle. It but- does have a tightest circle. And she also like, um, I think 
is a pleaser in a bit of a yeah, way where which, she'll yeah. put her own needs behind her, which uh, behind like almost anyone else's, yeah, um, except as, for sometimes her brother. Except for often her brother. So that's that's good. Um, that's encouraging to me because I do worry about that as people get older and they're in relationships. I don't want her to be someone who's like willing to accommodate all things. Whereas Emmy puts Declan's needs ahead of hers all the time, and it makes us very concerned about her. Um, plus, she's very affectionate, which also Declan, is concerning. nobody needs no ahead of his. That he, man is. He is, except for how about in the story oh, actually, of his own. It, 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 he was really like compassionate when it comes to like small kids or people with like disabilities of some kind. He's like incredibly compassionate to that. But if yeah. anybody who he like sees uh, as a challenge to him, it is fighting time. Declan is so charismatic, like when he wants to be. And, and uh, intelligent in a way that's challenging to people of all ages, which is kind of. Uh, he has. It's a superpower that he uses for a good and evil. He started a new school recently, and one of his, um, like a, a little kid that was, was like his little mentee at his old school, um, and just loved him and was so sad he was leaving. Um, his mom so kindly was like, "Hey, Ashley, like I got congratulations cupcakes for Declan's first day. Mind you, it's everyone's first day, but it's Declan's first day at a new school. So Christina's like, "Can I drop him at your house?" I'm like, "Yeah, like just bring him over. Thank you so much." So he gets home and he has six cupcakes, and like you know, they're like fancy cupcakes that aren't gonna like last more than a few days and Refuse be fresh. To share them with he his refused siblings. to share them with Emerson. But I was like, Declan, you know, like everyone else in this family is generous and shares with each other. And it kind of just makes me sad that you and you have so much, um, in this case, six whole cupcakes. Like, but generally we have so much and you can't share little things like this. He would give the fresh Jordans off of his feet to someone on the street, by the way. But it was also that like your little sister, he would have given a cupcake probably to his older sister. But I was like, your little sister who like idolizes you just wants a cupcake. You're not going to eat six before they're no longer fresh. Give her a cupcake. And he was like, mom, I was like, everyone else would share their cupcakes if we had six. And he was like, okay, true. Maybe they would. But would you, I value cupcakes and sweets more than what you do. He's addicted to sweets. He loves sweets. I value these things more than other people do. So would you share something that you really value with me? Which I was like, don't ask me for none of my jewelry is what I was thinking. And he really likes jewelry. So I was really worried that was where this was going to go. And I was like, Declan, like, no, like we would share things with each other. So he said, let's see, when Avery gets home, my daughter really likes face masks, my oldest. And so she said, well, Avery, he said, well, Avery gets home. I'm going to say, Avery, can I have one of your face masks? And she has more than six face masks, mom. Um, but the difference is face masks don't go bad. Okay. But anyway, um, but so I was, so they get home and I'm trying to gesture to Avery, like, just say yes. And he's like, Hey, Ave, I'm really into my skincare routines lately. Would you mind if I have one of your face masks? And she looked at him sideways and was like, no, you may not. Um, but it's right. like, so it's exactly. So he was, was right, right in what he said. Um, so he can be intelligent and it's not always fun, the ways in which he's smart. Um, but yeah. Can I, I pivot to a question, a yes. simple rose and thorn before we get out of here? I had my first weekend as Coach Fox. And that was a rose and a thorn. Um, yeah, I was wondering, I, I would like an honest assessment of how, I mean, we went 0-1. Went so the thorn is, my babies did not win. Come on, coach, do better. But the oh, well. roses, like, you were so good out there. And, like, the kids were tempted to be all sad or were sad. But, like, you were just like, okay, we had fun. Like, we learned things. Like, like you were so good with them, the way you support them and root them on. And, like, literally everything he says is positive. Everything about the other team is positive. Everything. Like, yeah, of course, you want to tell them how to play better. But you communicate yeah. to them in such positive ways. And then afterwards somehow two kids ended up at our house um so after he finished coaching them he has a play date with some of them with our son and i had driven separately because he had to be there early so i was driving back with my daughters and stopped to get pizza and so we got back a little later and i come back and he's like engaged in what to the kids seemed like the most fun nerf war with these kids that he just finished coaching um it was great and, and we were so, we was 
thumping uh, some trap music and having. And our- I was turning. We have like Sonos, so that we can both control our speakers from our phones. And I kept trying to turn it off. He kept. I was like, it must be an accident that he has this inappropriate music on while he has a play date going on. But no, no, it was an accident. It was I just can't cover music. Sneak up airport. on them. I can't sneak up on them if there's no sound. So like it was them against me. We gotta thump some trap music so I can come around. And, you want me to play Marvin Gaye? Or no, you would play I want you to. Some it was so Neo inappropriate. Usher. Uh, it's not inappropriate. I hope the we out here clapping. This. That's a, that's what they rapping about. That's what we do. But doing. that's not how he Ratata. coaches. By the way, he is Ratata. like the sweetest, like most gentle Baka. coach. That is not how he does. Can Baka. I also? Can we have a countdown of my favorite moments from the? Um, basically, this could just be how it used to be a Jalen Hurts Dan podcast. It oh, still now. is. I still love you, Jalen. Now it's Deion now it can Sanders be favorite a moments. Colorado thing. So we stayed up to like what was it like almost three a.m. East Coast time to watch that game last Saturday. So the statistics um, came out about how they like obviously overrepresentation in black households for watching the game and all that stuff. But we talked about it last week. Anyway, give me your um, favorite moments from Deion Sanders. Like, I, honestly, I can't. I didn't plan this in advance, so I can't count them down in a good order. So, in in no particular order, when he fixed Shiloh's chain, like Deion as coach was dad. I don't really know why, because I remember like. Like when you were playing, the rule was like you don't wear jewelry while you're playing. Not that you're a big jewelry. I know some people I mean, are still wearing jewelry now. Yeah, but everyone is now. But like in the middle of the game, he fixed his son's chain, rebuckled it. Um, that was one. Um, when Shiloh got the interception, and Shiloh and Dion hugged, and Shador came and slapped his. It was this beautiful brotherly love, son father love moment when he wiped the blood from Shador's mouth. And when they won and Shador jumped up in front of his mom and sister, like none of my favorite moments had anything to do with the game. Like honestly, had well, Dominique I mean, not been in the, yeah, but had Dominique not been in the room, I really wanted to rewind during the family hug. Like, like I said, I text, so my sister's really sappy and like happy moments make her cry. Like all the time, all the time in sports and outside of sports. And I knew she was watching because weren't we all, um, and I wanted to text, or I did text her. She's like, oh my God, I know, I'm crying. I was like, I know, I want to see it again, but Dominique would make so much fun of me. But yeah, dion has been fun. We talk about Dion every week, it seems like. I talked about Dion earlier in the show. So um, we appreciate what he's bringing to us. I think we got more than enough Roses and Thorns. Oh, I did want to say this. So um, please, if you would get on the social medias and send us mailbag questions, even if it's in the comments of the YouTube page, or you can tweet them at me at Foxworth24 or at the Dominique Foxworth Show at on Twitter or X or whatever. Please do questions for either Ashley or me or both of us. Thank you. All right, thank you for everyone who made this show possible today. Thank you for Marcus Spears. Thank you for Jason Goff. Thank you to all of our producers. First, the co-hosts, Charlie Kravitz, the producers, Brian, Kevin, Serafina, Megan, Ethan, and the good people here at Parkville. We out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.